welcome to everyone this morning to our worship service. We deeply appreciate uh, your attendance this morning. It was a it is a beautiful morning to be out to assemble with the congregation here and let's be together and worship our God. I know uh, today is uh, a day when we have college students back with us, maybe even family members who have already come to be back in Boonville for the holidays, but I've seen several several students and people that this morning that we're, we're glad to have back. If you're visiting with us, I want you to know you have a special invitation to meet with us anytime. We invite you to call on us if we can assist you in any way. We invite you to come and worship with us. Let us pray at this time. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the beautiful morning you blessed us with. The sunshine is great. To see it arise on the, on the frost that's on the grass this morning, it's beautiful. And we thank you as the day warms up, what a beautiful day it is. We're thankful for the privilege and the opportunity we have to meet this morning to worship you. Father, we, we're thankful for each one that is here. We pray that we come with attitude that we want to be pleasing to you as we worship together today. Father, we pray for each one that will be taking part in our worship service today, particularly Brother Ken as he brings a lesson to us. We pray that we'll take the words he's speaking to us and apply them to, to our lives. And Father, today we want to especially pray for the people, particularly in Kentucky, that suffering today. We know that uh, it's a bad day for them, for all they've gone through the last day or two, and even today, and for the future. We pray for the, the people that survive there. We pray that you'll take care of them. We pray for the people that's in the communities that will come forward and, and assist with all the things that's needed there. We pray that our country will even do that. And of course, there's other places other than Kentucky as well. So we just pray your blessings upon these people as they recover and mourn the loss of the people that they have. Now, Father, we pray that you be with us as we continue in this service today. We thank you for all the blessings we enjoy here. We pray that we can continue to please you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First song this morning will be number 797. Oh, praise God together. Lord, we come before thee now. At thy feet we humbly bow. Oh, do not our suitors stain. Shall we seek thee? Lord, in vain shall we see Thee, Lord, in vain. Lord, on Thee our soul depend, in compassion now descend. Fill our hearts with thy rich grace, tune our lips to sing thy praise. Tune our lips to sing thy praise. In thy own appointed way, now we see thee, here we stay. 
Lord, we know not how to go till a blessing now bestow. Till a blessing thou bestow. Grant that all may seek and find Thee God supremely kind. Hail the the captive free, let us all rejoice in thee, let us all rejoice in thee. Psalm before opening prayer this morning, number 781. <clears throat> For all that you've done, I will thank you. For all that you're going to do. For all that you promised and all that you are is all that has carried me through. Jesus, I thank you. And I thank you, thank you. Lord, and I thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you for loving and setting me free. Thank you for giving your life just for me. How I thank you. Jesus, I thank you, gratefully thank you, thank you. you please bow with me? Father in heaven, we gather here today to worship you, our creator, our healer, our forgiver, our friend. Please be with us as we strive to forget the cares of this world and put our personal lives and selfish desires aside as we focus on you and focus on your word this morning. Help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. God, we pray for those who cannot be with us this morning for Various reasons, whether they're sick, whether they're hurt, if they're being cautious, or if they're simply lost, God. We pray for healing and comfort for those who need it most. We pray for revival and repentance for those who may need it most. Help us to be your church. Help us to reach out to these individuals. Help us to provide them with their various needs. Help us to love one another as we love you, God. Help us to hold one another accountable with a humble and loving heart. Help us to be servants and help us to consider ourselves as less important than those that we serve. We pray for Brother Ken this morning. We pray for what he's prepared, that you would have him help him to remember what he's prepared for us so that he can have an effective delivery and so that we can have sharp, clear minds so that we can receive this message and we can understand it, and we can apply it in our lives. As always, God, we're so thankful for Jesus and for his sacrifice for us. Help us to remember this, not only today, but in our everyday walks of life, in every person we encounter, every reaction we have, every decision we make. Please help us to remember how loved we are by you and how that love is shown because you sent your son to die for us, God. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We'd like to mark the invitation song, number 945. 
945. The psalm before our scripture reading this morning, number 943. If it's convenient for you, will you please stand as we sing this song? Have you a heart that's weary, tending our Lord of care? Are you a soul that's seeking rest from the burden you bear? Do you know? My Jesus, do you know, my friend, have you heard he loves you and that he will abide till the end? Who knows your disappointments who hears each time you cry who understands your heart aches who dries the tears from your eyes do you know my Jesus, do you know, my friend, have you heard he loves you and that he will abide till the end? encourage you to turn your Bibles to the books of Proverbs. We have two verses uh, tonight. There are, I mean, today there will only be one on the board. I'll read the one that's not on the board first. It's taken from Proverbs 12, verse, you know, Proverbs 14, verses 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end is the way of death. And then the verse that's above me. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Good morning, everyone. It's terrific to see you here today. Hope you had a wonderful week. I hate to hear the news of the devastation that came out of those storms, particularly the effect it had in Kentucky. Our hearts ought to be hurting because of the loss of life. And as was indicated in the prayer, we certainly do pray that those who, who are close to that situation, members of the Lord's church, they can rise up and be a support to their community. We would do that, wouldn't we? Yes, we would. So we want to be a support to them as much as possible. And we'll continue praying about that situation. We had an open house last week, and a lot of you came. And I'll tell you, it, it was a blessing to have you there and to see our family there together in the house. Just, I don't know, creates memories that we will always have. So thank you for coming. Now, those of you who came, you, I hope, left with an ornament. And we have a few of those left for those who didn't make it. So if you didn't get one of our ornaments, there's a basket there in the back on a table. If you'll just take one per family, that'd be terrific. Otherwise, I'm going to have to put those things all over my house, and it's just going to look pretty redundant everywhere you go. So please, please take one of those as a very small reminder of how much we really love you and feel so blessed to be here. Someone asked me, what are you preaching about tomorrow, speaking of today? I said, well, 
I'm going to talk about two tragic ironies. I said, well, that doesn't sound very encouraging for this season. <laughs> I thought, well, I, you know, I don't know. I'm just trying to, trying to share God's Word. And it just happens that today we're going to talk about some tragic ironies. Now, you understand an irony. Well, somebody's misunderstanding something. There is a way that we should go. We're misunderstanding it. I'm going to put the positive spin on it right now and say, well, my intention is to help us to get on the right track, okay? So today, we're going to talk about two ironies. We've read about them already, and thanks to Chris for reading both texts. We will start with the sense of rejection that's found in Proverbs 1, verse 7, and then we'll talk about deception, what's found in Proverbs 14, verse 12. I'm going to do my best to help parse that all out and create an avenue or stream by which we can make an application because I don't want us making that mistake. Then we can leave out of here with a positive feeling about our relationship with God. Before we start that, let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we are grateful to you for the privilege of assembling here to worship you in spirit and in truth. I pray, Father, that our time will be used in just that, that potential distractions will be removed. Or if our focus is someplace else for a while, I pray we'll quickly return and put our minds on the things that we've come here to do. We've already been worshiping you, Father, and we pray that it's brought you pleasure, that you have been glorified. But Lord, now is kind of a difficult period of worship, wherein we have set ourselves to meditate upon your word. I pray we can do that. It's not like we might do in our homes, where we have a, a place that we go to that maybe is quiet and reserved, that we can truly contemplate. I know that this environment sometimes is not conducive to that, but we came here with the express purpose of accomplishing that task. So despite anything that's around us, pray that we can quickly put our minds back on what's important. And today, I just pray you'll help us to escape some potential tragedies in our lives. Two things that are so common things we can easily slip into, I pray that our study today will remind us what we ought to be putting as important in our lives and then seeking after it with, with due diligence. Help me, Lord, that I can communicate that and be with those who hear and study and meditate on this, that they can receive it and it'll find its right place in their heart and in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, I, I want to address the idea of irony to begin with. If you were just in, I guess, literary circles, you would probably understand what irony is already just from reading of books. It is kind of a, a technique that a writer will use. He'll share some important bit of information about the character Sometimes it's through their own words or their actions. There'll be a kind of foreshadowing or at least there'll be enough clues to indicate to you of where this is actually heading. But the irony in that is that you as the reader or as the audience know exactly what's going to happen, but the character doesn't know. They're in the dark. That's ironic. When it comes to I guess, our own circumstances. Irony is just simply the condition that we find ourselves in when things don't turn out exactly like we expected them to. We anticipated one thing. We thought we had it all figured out. And then actually it turns out some other way. That's pretty ironic. Now, according to the text that was read to us, there, there are really two avenues that result in that kind of irony in our lives. 
ending up somewhere where we never intended to go. One has to do with a foolish rejection of things that we ought to be accepting. And the other is being deceived. Being deceived by what we think is right, what seems right to us, but it really isn't. That text from Proverbs 14 verse 12 says that that kind of miscalculation results in, well, it results in spiritual death. So I just want to break them down into the two ironies of our text today, revolving around the idea of rejection and deception. Okay, so irony number one. Irony number one is the rejection of wisdom and instruction. That's Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools reject wisdom and instruction. Okay, so here's the irony. The fool doesn't fear the Lord. And because he doesn't fear the Lord, he doesn't receive true understanding of things. And let's bring it full circle. Because he doesn't receive the true understanding of things, true knowledge, he remains a fool. You see, the, those who are foolish aspire to things. They're trying to make their mark, trying to move forward. But this text says that the fatal mistake that the fool makes is that he doesn't fear God and receive the kind of knowledge that he needs to be successful. Job put it a little more directly in Job chapter 28 and verse 88. He's, or verse 28. He said that the fear of the Lord is wisdom. So let's kind of put this together. The idea is that the wise man is wanting something that the foolish man is rejecting. Have you ever heard this saying that one man's trash is another man's treasure? I know that's true in the everyday life. You've probably heard of the swap shop. Years ago, and, and maybe it's still happening, but years ago there used to be programs on the radio local radio stations where they would open up the phones for a couple of hours. And if you had something to sell, you could call and advertise it. And then those who were the listeners, they'd call into the radio station and hook up with the seller in order to buy things. What was so fascinating and interesting about it was that people would sell unusual things. I mean, someone would call in, they, they've got a pig for sale or they might have some tool that maybe was even broken. And they're like, you know, this might not be worth anything to anybody, but I'll tell you that there is a part on this that might be suitable for replacement. Just all kinds of odds and ends put up for sale. And invariably, somebody would call in and they'd want to buy it. Of course, a modern version of that would be something like eBay or Craigslist. And I hate to mention this one, but this is the one that always gets me in trouble, and that is Pinterest. Pinterest has a way in a small little picture of demonstrating how you can take something that is basically trash and thought to be useless and turn it into something magnificent. I fell into this trap one time. My daughter needed a headboard for her bed, my natural inclination was, well, let's, you know, let's go down to the furniture store and let's get her one. Oh, no, 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 no. You can make a headboard out of used pallets. So I had to search around the neighborhood for discarded pallets. I had no idea how difficult it was in order to disassemble a pallet. But I learned pretty quickly to be very careful because that hard oak is easy to split. And I very carefully and meticulously put together through the use of parts gathered from pallets 
in order to make what actually became an interesting looking headboard. Somebody's trash became my treasure and it remains in use today. Our observation here is that a wise man's treasure is actually gathered up from the trash heap of the fool. The thing that the fool despises most is the thing that the wise man aspires to, who does whatever he can in order to, to gather it in unto himself. Instruction from God, wisdom from God, knowledge, true knowledge of the way things are. If you want to be wise, well, you're going to do the same thing. You're not going to become distant. You're not going to try to push away from the idea of knowing the will of God. You're going to develop that hunger and that thirst for the Word of God such that that thirst must be satisfied. I've got to be filled. You will not be like the fool who turns his nose up at the truth of God and seeks after his own way. Now, in that hunger and that thirst after righteousness, Jesus, of course, promised that we would be filled. But that is, again, the question, is it valuable to me? You know, am I, am I ready to invest in the accumulation of that knowledge, that instruction that God offers? You only have to begin at the very first instance of the words of God in order to begin that accumulation of knowledge whether it is the knowledge of who God is in the demonstration of His power, or whether it is the absolute instructions that we're given as to how to walk in order to please God, all of that is enveloped within the pages of the Word of God. One place that I've always found that was just kind of concentrated with such instruction was that great golden chapter of the Bible, Romans chapter 12. And beginning at verse 9... He gives us the instruction by which to live if we would just heed it as wise people, not as fools rejecting it. Even, even seeing that it don't measure up, I, I still, I still in wisdom seek the knowledge so that I can make the changes that are necessary. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to the devil, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink, for in so doing you'll heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I see that text, a catalog of great things to aspire to, but I tell you, be honest with you, the, the very first instruction is a mountain to climb, to be certain that the kind of affection and love that I have for others is genuine, and then it goes uphill from there. But if I'm going to be wise... If I'm going to be that person who turns himself against the foolishness of this world and the disparaging of the Word of God, then I'm going to commit myself to His instruction. I'm going to become wise and filled with that instruction to true knowledge. I'll be the person who climbs the mountain of wisdom. And I will not fall into the irony, the tragic irony of rejecting wisdom and instruction. A second irony that is found in the Scriptures is the deception of what seems right. Of what seems right. 
Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. It seems right, but it's not right. It's the way of death. Okay, so the irony here. In the first case, and these are kind of connected in terms of rejection and deception. If I reject the Word of God, I'm going to be deceived. And here's how that goes. So the wise man, he wants what the foolish man rejects. But here's what the foolish man wants. The foolish man wants actually something that turns out to be a thing that leads to his spiritual death. That's the irony in it. I thought I knew the way to go, but I become a fool because I turned my back on God's way to go my way and look where it ended up. It ended up with death. Now maybe you've heard this saying, that perception is reality. Perception is reality. I hear that all the time. I hear it a lot of times in this phrase. When someone says, that's my truth. Now stop and think for a moment. Wait, what do you mean that's your truth? Well, what they mean is their perception of the truth is that, whatever it is that they said. My perception has become my truth. My perception has become my reality. I will create what's true for me. I will create my own reality. If you say something that's opposed to that, then I consider you wrong. Or if I'm just so wide open about it, I say, okay, well, you know, that's your truth. You know, that's your truth. My truth is different from that. Have we gone crazy? Here's the truth. Your perception of things is not always the reality. Now, sometimes your perception is the reality. Absolutely. I grant you that. But there are times when our perception is just simply guided by what we want and not really by what truly is. I'll give you some examples. I look at what seems to be a structurally sound building but I don't realize that the foundation is weak. My perception of a strong building, well, it was wrong. I look at a fast sports car, and I say, boy, that, that thing is powerful. It's so quick. But maybe I don't realize that there's actually no engine under that hood. <laughs> My perception... My perception was wrong. I look at a stone and I say, that is a beautiful, perfect diamond. But didn't realize it's actually cubic zirconia. My perception is different from the reality. The Scriptures actually play on that idea all the time. And God is constantly trying to bring us from our false perceptions into the truth. One of the most famous of those is the perception that Israel initially had about the land of Canaan. They said, you know what? You're exactly right. It is a land that's flowing with milk and honey. It is a perfect place for us to live, but the sons of Anak are there, the giants. And, you know, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. We even think of ourselves as grasshoppers. We can't take it. Their perception was they couldn't take the land of Canaan. Or in the case of the giant Goliath, the army of Israel had the perception that Goliath is so big and so strong and powerful and skilled as a warrior that we have nobody in our ranks that will be able to defeat him. Their perception was that he was unconquerable. And the same is basically true with regard to the Midianites of Gideon's time. The Midianites are described in Scripture as being so large that they could not even be numbered. 
And so Israel has no chance against a foe like that. That was their perception. And God says, you are faithless. Where is your faith? Where is your trust and your confidence in me? Their perception was really based on their own limitation. But here was the reality. God conquered the land of Canaan in the time of Joshua. God defeated the giant Goliath through the action of a shepherd boy by the name of David. God defeated the Midianites, an army that could hardly be counted, using Gideon and 300 faithful soldiers. Not the greatest warriors in history in any of those accounts, but they were empowered. The reality was that God was with them. And when our faith is with God, we have the true reality. But perception is everything, right? That's what people say. So can I say that, you know, no matter what, my conscience is a good guide, you know? Actually, no. Again, we go back to what the Scriptures are indicating to us. Our perception is oftentimes misguided. Even our conscience, what is a natural governor of our actions, can be flawed if it isn't properly instructed. In Acts chapter 23 and verse 1, Paul says, Men and brethren, I want you to know that I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. <laughs> but, but of course, today, I'm about to tell you how wrong I was. <laughs> I mean, that's what ensues. The fact is, I was against Jesus and now I'm for Jesus. My conscience had told me before to do whatever I can do in order to defeat that sect that is following after Jesus. And now, I do everything I can to turn people to Jesus. When Paul described that very thing in 1 Timothy chapter 1, as he was telling Timothy about his own history, beginning at verse 12, he says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I've obtained uh, mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show all longsuffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on Him for everlasting life. If I insist on my own deception then I am headed to death. But if I overcome, if I trans, transcend that deception, if I hold on to the truth, if I don't say, you know, my perception is the reality, I throw that out the window, Lord, teach me the truth, then I can, in turn, take what is an ironic tragedy and turn it into a tremendous success. Unfortunately, there are so many living this tragic irony right now. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, Enter by the narrow gate, because wide is the gate, and broad is the way which leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Wait, what did you say? There are so many in this world who are taken up in the ironic tragedy of having an opportunity for salvation, but turning their back on it, of being deceived. And we are so easily deceived. In James chapter 1, beginning at verse 13, let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variation or shadow of turning. 
out of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Listen to that. How did he help us transcend that? How did we get beyond just constantly succumbing to temptation and blaming somebody else? How is it that we overcame our self-deception and destruction? It was by holding on to the truth. And he said, I gave you the truth that changed you, and you're the first of many to do so. Well, that is, you know, if we're wise to do it, if we're foolish, we're going to continue in that deception. We're going to keep telling ourselves that our perception is right and don't listen to what anybody else says. And look, look, you don't have to listen to me. But I'm telling you that God's truth is not a truth. It's the truth. And that is the very thing we should be holding to. Talk about an awkward situation. Romans chapter 10, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be safe. I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Now right there it is. It, Paul is talking about a people who thought on the basis of their history, of the teachings, that they were doing right. Paul says, it breaks my heart to realize that they've created something which is well nigh unto an illusion. They're trying to create their own righteous means to God, and that is, isn't going to work. Their perception is not the reality. But we are not like cats. Okay, no secret, I'm a cat person. Please don't hate me. I like dogs too. It's okay, peace. But I'm a cat person. And it took me a long time until, actually, it was a 2020 ABC News segment. <laughs> it said, hey, uh, let's tell you about cats. I thought, wow, I'm tuning in. I want to know about these cats because they confuse me, right? I'm not real sure. They're kind of antisocial but loving at the same time. Did, didn't really know what to do about cats. But they said, look, if you want a cat to do something, you can't force it. You have to encourage it on the basis of its own nature. Well, a cat's nature is simply this. It does what it enjoys doing. So if you want to change its behavior, you have to create an environment that it doesn't enjoy. That's why, for many of you, you see a cat, it wants to get on the couch or something, you take a water bottle and squirt it. The cat doesn't like water. Well, most of them don't, and so... It will change the behavior. Oh no, if I keep doing that, I'm going to get soaked. Or, you know, you, it doesn't eat a particular food. And, and so you, you devise a means of creating an environment that will force the change in behavior. You, you make it uncomfortable. Okay. You and I, we, we are not, we are not cats. You know, we, we do not wait for our behavior to be changed because we have set on pleasure. You know, I've said, I'm going to live my life based on pleasure. And, and until something changes and makes me uncomfortable, I'm going to say right here, well, we're not like that. We can make a conscious decision to change now. We change because it's the right thing to do. It's not an assessment that we make of a situation. We weigh the circumstances and determine whether it, it best benefits me or not. I, I want to make a decision between being saved and being lost, be, being in heaven eternally and being shut out from fellowship with God. I want to make a choice to serve God. I do not want to be deceived or self-deceived. I make the conscious decision even if it's difficult for me to do. The whole book of Psalms begins with that admonition. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law he meditates day and night. He should be like a, 
tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not sober to like the, the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. What do we choose? I'll tell you, as regards life's ironies, we have got to make a concerted effort to know the will of the Lord, to lay hold of wisdom and instruction, because if we choose not to, if that's the decision that we make, then we are subject to a life of rejection and of deception that ultimately leads to death. So instead of death, today choose life. There's a great text in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. It's Moses talking. He's giving his last speech. And he says, in the course of all of this, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Choose life. Today, if you're a child of God, you chose life. But along the way, have you rejected the Lord some way? Have you been self-deceived in your own choices, your perception of things? Know that there is a truth you should be subscribing to. So today, if you need to repent, let's do that. Let's get back on track, okay? If you're not a child of God today, today gives you maybe your last opportunity to respond to the truth. Believing Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Believing that God raised Him from the dead. Repenting of your sins, turning away from the world. Following after that path of righteousness that we read about in Romans 12. Today, confessing that faith before this number, you can be buried in water. Have your sins washed away by the blood that Jesus shed. And you'll rise up out of that water a new creation. All those old sins behind you and a hope of eternal life ahead of you. If there's anybody who needs to respond today, now's your opportunity. Why don't you come if you need to while we stand together and sing. He intercedes for you. Lift up your voice, leave with him your care, and begin life anew. Near at the cross, Every care near at the cross, Jesus will meet you there. Kneel at the cross, there is room for all. Who would his glory share? Bliss there awaits, harm can ne'er befall. No, who are hankered there? Near at the cross, will meet you there. Kneel at the cross, give your idols up, look unto realms above. 
Turn not again to my sparkling cup. Trust always in His love. Near at the cross, leave every care. Near at the cross, Jesus will meet you there. Please be seated. Prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper when my love for Christ grows weak. When my love to Christ grows weak, when far deeper faith I see, then in the night go to Thee, guard on Gethsemane. When my love for man grows weak, when for stronger faith I see, hell of Calvary I go to thy seas of fear and woe. Then to life I turn again, learning all the worth of pain, learning all the might that lies in a full self-sacrifice. We have come to that time during our worship where we think of the Lord's death specifically in accordance to the commands of His gospel. If you have not uh, had an opportunity to get one of the, the emblems for our Lord's Supper, will you raise your hand and one of our young men will bring that to you. If you will, open your Bibles and your minds with me to Revelation chapter 1. And I'd like to read verses 4 through 8, a passage that often comes to mind as I think about this time. As the song says, we go back to the hill of Calvary. Beginning in verse 4 of Revelation 1, John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and father to him and father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him and all tribes of the earth will well on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Truly, Jesus is coming in the clouds, and he does love us, and he died for us. Would you bow with me, please? Father God, as we pause during our worship and as we continue, maybe rather should I say as we continue our worship, and as we partake of this bread, this remembrance of the body of Christ, Jesus who so willingly allowed himself to be abused and killed so that he might be the sacrifice by which I am saved. Father, as I partake of this, as we do so, may it be in accordance to your will 
to your glory and in your service as we remember as we remember our Savior who died for us. In him we pray. Amen. May we continue praying together. Also, Father, we come before you on the bended knees of our hearts before your throne, thanking you for the blood that Jesus shed upon that cross. He did it willingly. He did it for the washing away of our sins. And as we obey your truth, and as we live your truth, that blood continues to cleanse us. May we be reminded of that as we partake of this cup, the fruit of the vine that represents that. But let us not forget it when this moment is over. In these things we pray in the name of your Son. Amen. This concludes the remembrance of the, our Lord's death as we worship. But we also are commanded in 1 Corinthians 16 to lay by in store, to give of our means, to do so with a uh, cheerful heart and a meditative spirit that we've decided to give back for God's service that with which he has so wonderfully blessed us. And as we do that, uh, let's pause together and thank God. You have many ways to do that that we have been participating in. But let's thank God for all of those blessings. Heavenly Father, thank you so very much for the things you do for us, how very good you are for us. Help us, Father, or good to us. Help us, Father, to never take those things for granted, to forget to be humble and thankful, knowing, Father, that we could lose the things we hold as treasures very quickly. And help us most of all, Father, never forget that every single blessing with which you have ever given us, that you give us, or that you ever will give us, is designed and meant for one thing, and that is to be used in your service and to your glory. Thank you, Father, in these, all of these things we ask in the name of your Son. Amen. Before Brother Todd comes, I want to make a quick announcement. Actually, it's more, than a, a more of a challenge. I have uh, had the privilege of teaching the teenage class on uh, Sunday night and our Sunday evening. So if you're in that teenage class, this is a challenge to you. It's really a reminder and it's a, uh, hopefully not the first time your parents have heard this, uh, but if it is, it's okay. Uh, those in the teen, teen class tonight that meets at five o'clock, they have homework. Yes, I said the H word. Uh, they have homework. We have been studying about how important it is not just to take evil out of your heart but to put something in its place and they have a challenge of looking at the eight think on things of philippians 4 and verse 8 not just to use a webster's dictionary but to think about what those things are we're going to talk about them tonight so that's your challenge to think about this afternoon and if you need i said look use the use some wiser older christians as your sounding board and you say well i don't know where one is Ta da so, I'll see you this evening. Brother Todd. Good morning. I'm glad you're here with us this morning. If you're visiting with us today, we, we are glad to have you with us and invite you back any time that you can attend. Uh, we had 288 in attendance this morning. I have a few announcements other than, than what's in our bulletin. A birthstone bracelet was found in the parking lot this morning. If it's yours, if you'll get with someone, it'll be located in the office after services. Also, Carrie Wayne Riddle, uh, this is, I believe is a cousin of Lisa Peaks, is having some tests uh, done this pretty soon on kidneys. I, if I understood it right, he's already had a kidney transplant at once and now may be having issues with, with that now, so please keep them in prayer. Uh, and also, like to, uh, I was asked to recognize Mr. Stephen Hodge, and he received his master's degree in education this past week, so he should be a lot smarter now. So we'll be able to determine that here in the next little bit. Hopefully, he won't want his own personal sparking space there at Wheeler School, but we can we can make that work if he needs that. Uh, 
be sure that you're mindful of the bulletin that's in the back of the pew in front of you. There's an extensive list on there of sick and those that are in need of your prayer. For the benefit of those that still may be watching uh, online services, we'll go through some of these announcements on the back. I'll remind everyone there's a devotional at Landmark Nursing Home and Rehab today at 4 o'clock. If you're willing to help with that ministry, please see Doug Smith or Jim Estes. Also, lads, leaders today, song leaders and songs of praise, 7th grade and up in Winter Circle, you'll meet in the TAC following morning worship. Uh, Bible Bowl, will meet at 415 downstairs in the conference room. Uh, lads, leaders, Wednesday, the gifts at 545 p.m. in room 106. This is for all girls, 6th through 12th grade. You do not have to be registered in Lads to Leaders to participate in this class. And also, if you would like to make a donation on uh, one of our ministries in memory or in honor of a loved one during the holiday season, please pick up a form from the foyer, fill it out, and place it with your check in the box on the table. Envelopes are provided. The deadline is this coming Wednesday, December 15th. Uh, that list will be printed out next Sunday. Uh, visitation team members for the month of December, your assignment will be to send cards to the bulletin card list each week. Let's use this month to give a blessing to these folks and give God the glory. Uh, food pantry item this week is canned soup. Fruit, fruit basket day is this coming Friday, December the 17th at 1.30 in the annex. All teens are needed to help with this. And adult drivers are needed. See Jordan if you can help with this. Progressive dinners next Sunday, December the 19th. We'll meet in the annex immediately following evening Bible classes. Parents, please sign up to help. There's a list out there on the table in the foyer. And also CYC, the deadline to sign up is December the 19th. You'll need half that payment, and it's due by that 19th. That's all the announcements I have this morning. If you'll bow with me, I'll dismiss us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the opportunity to come and worship you in song and praise this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the many wonderful blessings in life that you bestow upon us. Father, we lift up a special prayer for those of our number that are having upcoming surgeries or are going through illness or have lost loved ones. We ask that you comfort them as only you can. Father, we offer up a special prayer for those victims of storms over the weekend. We help, uh, hope and pray that they could recover as quickly as possible from whatever's damaged in their life. Father, we thank you so much for the elders of our congregation here at Boonville. We ask you to continue to watch over them and to bless them with knowledge and wisdom to lead the congregation in a way that is pleasing unto thee. Father, we ask that you go with us throughout this upcoming week and continue for, uh, to, for us to look for you for guidance. Continue to lead, guide, guard, and protect us. Most of all, Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross, that we might have an opportunity of home in heaven with thee one day. It's through his precious name we pray. Amen. <laughs>